You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Well, hello, everybody. I'm so glad and excited that you came out this weekend. Uh, Pastor Craig knows how to keep you humble, doesn't he? Did y'all hear what he said? He, he didn't come in first place. It's all right. It's all right. I came in. I was in the top 20th, and, and I got four yeses. So, and just so you know, Simon Cowell likes me. He likes me. But the, really, the only vote that I, I, I really care about is the vote of my family. I think we have a picture of my family they're going to show you here. These, uh, my wife and I, we've been together. Yeah, there they go. Those are... We have five children. We, we've been together almost 28 years, 27 years, and, and some change, and, uh, and we're still on our honeymoon. Amen. Amen to that. But I, I'm excited to get started. I'm excited to share the word with you. Are you ready for the word? Say yeah. yeah. Oh, I think you can do better than that. Are you ready for the word? Say yes. Yeah. All right, here we go. We're going to be looking at Mark, the second chapter, 18 through the 22nd verse. Get your phones out. Get your apps out. And let's get started. I'm going to start by reading this word. Once, when John's disciple and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Say this with me. Some things don't mix. Say it like you mean it, Ed. You're, you're at an old Pentecostal church. Some things don't mix. Some things don't mix. Gracious Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the word that you've given today. God, we open up our hearts, our mind, and our ears to hear everything that you have for us. Do it like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I come from a family of seven. Well, I have six siblings, so there's seven of us, and I'm no stranger to what's known as hand-me-downs. Anybody? Hand-me-downs. If you don't know what hand-me-downs are because you are rich, <laughs> hand-me-downs is, is when you get clothes from your brother or your sister who are older than you are. I come from the era that you could tell how old the child was because of the hand-me-downs they were wearing because you can see how many lines and wrinkles was at the bottom of the pants that used to be shorter or longer. And I come from an age where you, you might say that this is vintage, and this might surprise some of you. I come from a day and time where we did something called playing outside. <laughs> I, know, I know we got some young people who are going, what? Playing outside? We, we played outside. We, we played. We played tag. We played freeze tag. We played red light, green light. We played catch a girl, kiss a girl. We played... Anybody? Yep. We played that on my block. 
But it was inevitable as a child, if you played outside, that you were going to get some holes in your clothes. I remember being a child and being a boy. Boys don't even know that they have holes in their clothes until they get home. You're going to get holes in your clothes. And my mother and my grandmother used to do something, and they would do what was called an iron-on patch. Yeah, we got some old people in here. They would do this iron-on patch, and the, the problem with the patch is that the patch wouldn't last very long. It, it, it only lasted for maybe a few weeks, maybe a month at best, and then you had to remove the patch. But the problem is once you remove the patch, the hole was now bigger than the patch you once had. You're trying to use a new patch on some old clothes. This is the context that Jesus is addressing. You don't put a new patch on an old garment. New patch is on an old garment. It's incompatible. Eventually, the new patch will create a larger tear in the old garment, and you don't put new wine in old wineskins. This is an interesting story here. Because it starts off by saying, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus. I want you to know that if you say you follow Jesus, people watch him. Think about it. They were looking at John's disciples, who's pro-Jesus. They're looking at the Pharisees, who are kind of anti-Jesus. And they're looking at Jesus and his disciples. Somebody watching you. If you say you are a Christ follower, somebody's watching you. Even if you don't think they are, even if they've never been on your Instagram, they're watching. They may not like the posts, but they're watching. They're watching. Someone is watching you just as they were here. They're watching, and they ask about fasting. But what's typical of Jesus is that he answers a question with another question. It's almost irritated. You know people like that that will answer your question with another question? Sidebar, do you know people who would ask you a question and then answer the question that they just asked? How you get here? Walk? Where your mama at? Home? I'm sorry. Fasting. Fasting is mentioned more than 65 times in the Bible. And biblical fasting is the voluntary abstinence from food for a limited period of time for the purpose of drawing near to God. It's denying the flesh to strengthen a person's spirit. The Puritans used to call fasting soul fattening. Soul fattening. There may be times in your life where you need to fast from some things. You may need to fast from your phone may need to fast from some relationships. You may need to fast from the Netflix series that you've been watching. I only mention those things because I don't have a problem with those, and you probably do, and I, I didn't want to make myself feel bad. But re remember what's happening here. Remember, the definition of fasting is to abstain for the purpose of getting closer to Jesus. That's the goal, to get closer to God. So when they asked Jesus about the fasting, Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? And he says, of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. Do the wedding guests fast while they're celebrating with the groom? 
This is an amazing, uh, an amazing metaphor that Jesus is using to describe himself. Jesus is saying, not only am I the groom, I'm also the celebration. Would you go to a wedding and not eat the food? Would you go to the wedding and not celebrate with the groom? Jesus says, I'm here. If the purpose of fasting is to be closer to me, how much closer can the disciples get than being right here with me? Here's what I think happens sometimes. Here's what I think is happening here. Jesus is saying, don't miss the fact I'm here. I think sometimes we come to church. I think we, sometimes we do the performance of church and we do it out of obligation. And, but why we really should be doing it is because Jesus is here. Yeah, if, you, if you're a believer and you walked into this room and you felt a little something in here, that's because Jesus is here. When they, were, when they were worshiping, you felt, ooh, I don't know what that is. That's Jesus is here. You lifted your hand in a way that you don't normally do. You wanted to sing in a way that you don't normally do. That's because Jesus is here. Jesus is saying, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss me. Don't miss me because I'm here. It's possible to be so religious that we miss the celebration. It's possible to concentrate so much on the rituals that we miss the relationship. Don't get so bound by the program that you miss the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the groom and the celebration. Let's talk about fasting. Let me tell you what fasting is not. Fasting is not a Christian diet plan. Some of you may not know, but I grew up in a church where we used to fast all the time. And my father, my father was a pastor, and he said, when we go on fast, everybody going on a fast. And we would fast for three days at a time. Ain't nobody eating. Kids, nobody. You don't, you, you're not eating. You can drink some water. You can chew some gum so your breath don't stink. But everybody is going on the fast. It's not a diet plan. And I've heard people go, I'm, I can't wait to the beginning of the year. I'm going to go on this 21 day Daniel diet so I can lose some weight for Jesus. <laughs> it's not a diet plan. It's not a ritual to show that you are more spiritual than others. It's not intended to punish your flesh. And this is going to blow your mind. It's not required. Woo! I just messed with some church people. Fasting is not required. One time in the Bible, in the Old Testament, out of the 65 times that fasting is mentioned, only one time did God require it. The other 64 times where the Bible talks about fasting, it is encouraged, it is expected, and it is rewarded. See, fasting is extra. This message ain't even about fasting. But I just, I feel like I need to tell you this. Fasting is the extra. Say the extra. Fasting is the extra stuff. How can I do this? Imagine this. Imagine you're working a 40-hour-a-week job, yeah? And for 40 hours a week, five days a week, they pay you $80,000. You got benefits. It's all good. And then the boss comes to you one day and says, hey, if you work an extra 10 minutes a week, that's it. I'll bump your pay from $80,000 to a $1 million a year. Who would agree to that? 
I think everybody. You might even say, you know what? I'll do 20 minutes extra just to make it fair. <laughs> Fasting is like that. Fasting is the extra. Fasting is the stuff that you don't get just by doing regular stuff. It's the extra. And Jesus is saying, I always got extra for you. But you got to come get it. I always have something more for you. But you, you got to put the work in. You have to come Get it. Fasting is the extra. Jesus is saying, I always have something for you, but this is really not about fasting. This text has more to do with tradition than it does fasting. Verse 18, they ask, why aren't your disciples doing what we are doing? Because that's the way it's always been done. Why don't they do it? like everybody else is doing it. Now, the problem was Jesus wasn't following their tradition. Jesus is doing something that they can't get a handle on. Now, there's nothing wrong with traditions, except when traditions supersede the Word of God. And unfortunately, sometimes... Sometimes in Christian circles or religious traditions, people elevate the traditions and they do things without even knowing why they do what they do. Years ago, there's a young lady, she's cooking Thanksgiving dinner. She's cooking Thanksgiving dinner in front of her daughter. And her daughter notices that before she puts the turkey into the pan, she cuts off the end of the turkey sets it aside. And the daughter asked the mother, Mom, why do you cut off the end of the turkey before you put it in the pan? And the mother says, I don't know. My mother did it. Let's call her and find out. So her mother was alive, so she called her mother, and she asked her mother, Mom, why do you cut off the end of the turkey before you put it in the pan? And she said, I don't know. My mama did it. As chance would have it, her mother was still alive. So she said, let me call my mama. She calls her mama, and she says, Mama, we cooking turkey. I want to know, why do you always cut off the end of the turkey before you put it in the pan? And she says, well, baby, back in those days, the pans were smaller. Sometimes we can find ourselves cutting off the end of turkeys without even knowing why we're doing what we're doing. We're missing the point of why we do what we do. They, they question Jesus about a lot of stuff. They question Jesus about healing on the Sabbath. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? They even question Jesus about washing his hands. Why, why don't your disciples wash their hands like everybody else? It's a good practice, but I'm trying to understand why they don't do it like everybody else. Jesus wasn't trying to follow other religious leaders. Jesus was the leader. And Jesus wasn't being a rebel. He wasn't being anti-tradition. What Jesus was doing was trying to help them understand that some of their traditions were not necessarily according to God's word. And he's also trying to relate to them that he didn't come to patch up something old. He came to offer something new. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament. We have an Old Covenant 
and a new covenant. The old covenant points to the new covenant. And Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. I came to give you something brand new. The old covenant was about man's way to reach God through the sacrifice of animals. The new covenant is about God's way to reach man through the sacrifice of a savior. That savior is Jesus. It's Jesus. And the same is true for you. The same is true for you. Jesus did not come to patch up your old life, but to do something brand new in you. Sometimes people mistakenly think that coming to faith in Jesus is just folding Jesus on top of the life they already live. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to add a little Jesus to it. A relationship with Jesus is not about dressing up your old life. It's about trading your life for a new life. We are not to mix the old with the new because it's incompatible. It's incompatible. Here I have two drinks. This one is, orange juice is one of my favorite drinks. I drink it almost every day. Here, some coffee. Coffee represents the life you used to live. Almost everybody who's watching drinks coffee. Life you used to live. You can have it any way you want. You can have it hot. You can have it cold. You can have a whole lot of milk in it. You could fill your cup up with sugar and put a little coffee in it. You can have it any way you want to. This is your life, your way. And, and it's not a bad life. Do this every day. This life says, I can do what I want, how I want. I can smoke some weed. I can cheat on my taxes. I can cuss out my neighbors and not feel bad. Somebody laughed because they did that today. <laughs> I can cut people off in traffic. This is, this is a good life. This, this is the life that you know. But then, then you come to know Christ. And it's OJ. Only Jesus. And this hit different. Ooh, that's refreshing. Oh, that tastes good on the palate. That's good. See, this, that's, that's redemption. That's love. That's, that's no condemnation. That's a sunrise in the morning. That's a sunset in the evening. That's, whew, that's OJ. That's, that's good stuff. This, but here's what we do. This is what we do. Yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> it's not, that's not good at all. There's nothing, it's nothing about that that's good at. Oh my goodness. 
I think that was a dark roast, too. <laughs> but it's not good because it's incompatible. They don't work together. And the problem is sometimes Christians think they can just blend the old with the new. If just adding Jesus to the way that I used to live and you missed the point, you missed the point. Jesus didn't come up to patch up your old life. He came to give you something brand new. Brand new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, this word in that we see is actually translated from the word engrafted. To be engrafted means to be cut away from one place and for a place to be made for you in another place. So when you come to Christ, you have literally said, I am cutting myself away from everything I thought, everything that I thought was right, I'm, my old life, my old ways, my old ideals, and I'm coming over to the place that has been prepared for me by Christ. God has a place for you. He's got a place just for you. He's actually carved out a place. That's what it means to be engrafted, that he, he took time to carve out a place. That's what his death is all about. That's what his burial and his resurrection was all about. He was carving out a place just for you. He knows you by name. I know John. I know Sally. I know Lisa. I know Eric. I'm calling you by name, and I've made a place for you. I've engrafted you in my place. And here's the deal. I, when I lived in California, I lived near some farms. And so I learned some things about farming and engrafting one tree from the next. And I asked this farmer, have you ever engrafted a branch from one tree to the next tree? He said, yes, I have. I've done it many times. The other question that I asked, I said, have you ever done it from trees from different fruit? He said, yes, I have. I said, so have you ever seen the fruit from the previous tree grow on the new tree. No. If you cut down a branch from an apple tree and you put it into an orange tree, guess what it produces? Oranges. It produces oranges. Why? Because the new root system is an orange system. It's not an apple system. Here's what messes us up. We think Ooh, that was scary. We think, here's what messes, up, messes us up. We get into battles about how we used to be. Have you ever said, well, this is just the way I am? This, this is just the way, you know, we Puerto Rican, this is just the way. <laughs> we Latin, we, we black, we Italian, this is just the way we, no. That's not the way we are. I used to go to church with this old mother that says, the Bible says you can come as you are, but you can't stay as you is. <laughs> See, the significance of your salvation is not that you invited Jesus into your life, but that he invited you into his. If anyone is in Christ, 
And I know we say it. I know we say it, and we mean well, and we'll probably say it a million more times. You can invite Jesus into your life today. But the reality is Jesus is here, and he's inviting you into his life. Jesus is not trying to hook up with you so you can keep doing the same stuff that you do, but you can roll with his blessings and his anointing. No, he's saying, come over on this side. This is where it really gets real. This is where the anointing and the blessings really are. When you, if you really want to be blessed, if you really want to be uh, get the glory of God in your life, you got to walk on my side. You got you to gotta drink some orange juice. We cannot mix the old with the new. This is not just a statement about how God sees us as new creatures in Christ, forgiven, loved, redeemed. It's also a statement about how God calls us to live as his redeemed children, not blending the old with the new, but leaving the old for the new. This is what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3, 5 through 17. He says three things that I love. He says, I need you to put off and put on and put on. He actually starts in the fifth verse and says, I need you to put to death. I need you to put to death everything that is not like God. I need you to put to death your members, your fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, idolatry, disobedience in the way that you once walked, in the way that you used to be. I need you to put that to death. And then I need you to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Don't lie to each other. Put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. Put on the new man. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, if anyone offends you, forgive them because Christ has forgiven you. I need you to put some things off and I need you to put some things on. I need you to do this regularly. Jesus did not come to patch up your old life, but to do something brand new in you. Now, originally, I did not design this message to have three points, but I know y'all like three points. <laughs> so I'm going to give you three points. They're going to answer this question. How? How do I begin to live this new life? How do I begin to walk in this new creation? Point number one, follow Jesus. Say that with me. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. You have to accept him as your Lord and your Savior, as your pilot and your navigator. Follow Jesus. Point number two is follow Jesus. Woo, y'all listening. Follow Jesus. You have to live a life beyond yourself. Not your will, but his will be done. And point number three, if you're listening, what is it? No, you're wrong. Number three is do it every day. You have to do it every day. You have to become your own personal assassin. You have to die to yourself every day. Why? Because you ain't no good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to share something. Because we're family, this is Grace Family Church, I'm about to share something with you that I don't share with most people. I have an alter ego. And my alter ego is evil. 
and I call him Dante. Dante is the, is the voice that tries to make me feel like I'm less than who God called me to be. Dante is the voice that says, you can't do what God called you to do. Dante is the one that says, you can't pursue the purpose that God is calling you. You're not good enough. And every day I have to get my gun out, put the scope on, and I've got to shoot Dante. Because if I allow Dante's voice to consume me instead of allowing Jesus' voice to consume me, Dante will win and my life would be very different. And all of us have a Dante. We all have the part of us that's telling us to do less than, and that's really just the devil. It's really just the enemy. Do you know the enemy is a liar? He does not want you to succeed. Anything that he's saying to you doesn't mean that he can't say some truth. The Bible says there's no truth in him. But he's not going to tell you that you can win. He's not going to tell you that you can be victorious. He's not going to tell you that you can overcome your addictions or that you can walk across the street, tell your neighbor your story, testify to them, and they meet Jesus. He's not going to tell you that. It's going to tell you that you're less than, and every day you've got to die to self so you can rise to Christ. I want you, if you haven't been doing it already, I want you to begin new life. Stop holding on to the you of your past and embrace the you that God calls you. Stop holding on to what you did or the fruit that you used to be because God has called you to something brand new. I'm going to pray for you here in a moment, and after I pray, I'm going to call the campus pastors to come up. I'm going to pray for two people. I'm going to pray for two people. I'm going to pray for the believer who has not been walking in their newness. I'm also going to pray for the one who has not yet accepted Jesus. If you want to secure your eternity and experience the newness of life, new life in Christ, if that's you and you want to experience that today, today is your birthday. The two most important days of your life is when you are born and then when you find out why. Your why is to serve him, not to serve yourself. Your why is to walk in the newness of life that he's already designed for you. Whew. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you continue to do in our lives. God, I thank you for every heart that is leaning toward you. And I even thank for the, for the ones who are struggling. God, I thank God for the struggle. But God, we give this moment to you for those that are meeting you for the first time. They're saying, God, I need you. I'm walking into your presence. I surrender my life to you right now. It belongs to you and you alone. You are a great and good God, and I want to walk in newness. Now, we thank you for forgiving us, for redeeming us, for loving us like only you can. 
for the sacrifice that you made. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.